shout out. You know, if I could join a trade union, I so would. That shit's cool. But uh, you know what really sucks? What sucks? This stomach flu I've had all week. That's not good. I can't eat anything. And like, I am, I am a man who houses food. I'm also like just wildly dehydrated all the time. Like it does not matter. I am, I'm closing in on a hundred ounces of water drink today. And my piece still is Utah jazz uniforms yellow. This podcast brought to you by water. It may not change the color of your pee. <laughs> but worst, not. worst case scenario, your pee will look like a jazz uniform. <laughs> Good news, though. I've lost like five, six pounds. Ugh, all right. I'm annoyed. Intro music. <laughs> Doctors hate me for this one secret. Hello and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, I hope that you at least won't barf during this recording. <laughs> I, I I did barf quite a bit during the, the BYM midterm live stream we did. That was, that was really, really rough. But you know what? I'm actually, I feel fine. I just can't eat anything. Yeah, and you're going to be fine, and I'm so happy that you're feeling better, and that maybe you won't barf. Yeah, um, I think I'm past the barfing, but like the appetite is is certainly not back. I can't eat anything. Um, I think that today we kind of have to talk about, is this jazz team real? Like, I think that we actually have to talk about it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've got I've got all sorts of thoughts. Just one thing real quick, though. I would like to do a shameless plug if you're cool with it. Absolutely. Plug away. Yeah. We talked about the live stream, which w- was fantastic. But uh, last night, uh, the boys and I recorded with our dear friends, uh, Joey Devine and Sean Keane of Round Ball Round Rock. Ball. We love those boys. We love the Round Ball Rock boys. And we recorded the history of the Utah Jazz. I've been looking forward to this so much, so I'm so glad that it actually happened. It's uh, with- it's a fun episode. It's long. It's like two hours long, but it's, uh, you know, like Jordan really did his history nerd thing. And oh, I love when he does it. Yeah. We we really got into the nitty gritty. Do you know what I did not know that I think is wild? Please. Did you know that arms dealer, famed Iran-Contra player, Adnan oh. Khashoggi, Oh no. Oh no. Almost bought the Utah Jazz. Oh god. <laughs> that's just a little that's a little teaser of the type of things that you can uh expect on this upcoming episode, but like there's some really wild stuff in the Utah Jazz's history and I had a ball and yeah, little little cross promotion there for those who are interested in this. Everybody already knows that my politics on this podcast. So if you're if you're still listening to this, then you know, I think you'll probably dig that. And again, Sean and Joey are like are two of the best and they're so funny and Yeah. It was super great. fun. Yeah. So absolutely listen to that. When is it when's the episode coming out? I don't know when Jordan gets around to it. Great. Okay. So stay tuned on the BYM feed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll talk to the boys, but it should be out in the in like the next few days. 
Yeah, excellent. Absolutely looking forward to that. Um, from history to whatever this is that the Jazz the are doing. The Jazz are making history. So, yeah, perfect segue. <laughs> I here here's the issue that we actually like have to talk about like is it real is it sustainable like those those are kind of like broad general overarching statements the problem with the jazz at this point at is that they're too beautiful is that they're too cool too too beautiful the vibes are too immaculate (laughs) it's yeah they okay they're 10 and 3 yes they're leading the western conference they have the most wins in the NBA. Uh, they're tied with the Bucks, but they played more games than the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, Bucks are 10 and 1. And the problem is is that 13 games into the season with 10 wins, it's getting to the point now where they might already be out of the race for Victor. Which I mean, fine. If it's it's hard to argue, which would you rather do? Would you rather go all all in for this guy, or like, do you want to c- try to continue winning? Right. And so, I mean, at this point, if they were to want to like trade away guys and tank for Victor and be one of like the top or the bottom seeds to get the highest percentage chance at Victor, we're talking about they need to win like nine games the rest of the season. Yeah, and not only not only that, and even if you do that, you have a fourteen percent chance of getting him. And right, and like we've talked about this before, that like fourteen percent chance at getting Victor is good. Like if yeah. you can get him, if you can get him, get him. But like at this point, it's like they don't. They might not even be able to get the fourteen. I don't like. I think they're too good. Yeah, like are, you have to be worse than the Thunder, the Rockets, the Spurs. Yeah. The Lakers. Can I can I kind of go through a little something that I wrote in the outline and like I was kind of consolidating my thoughts on this team. Yeah. And I will present my argument on why I I do feel like this is this is sustainable. We have to remember that the Washington Wizards of I'm pretty sure last season or the season before one they started their season 10 and 3. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and I'm not like I want to go on record and say that I'm not willing to crown this team as like a top 4 team in the West. Right. I do however absolutely believe they're a playoff team. And I right. think there's some reason and there's a little bit of doubt, data to go along with this. Granted I know we're only 13 games in and I'm contradicting myself because I said it was going to take 20 to 25 games. Right. Which in a way I still believe, like I still think we're still we're a, a little bit in the in the trial period. We definitely are. However, one thing that is like you can't argue with this is the Jazz have had one of the most difficult schedules in the league. They've played already a litany of predicted playoff teams. Mm-hmm. They've played the they've played the most games of anyone in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They've played the most road games. Mm-hmm. And they still are tied for the most wins. And, and after this Wizards and Sixers back to back, they will also have played the most back to backs to start the yeah. season too. Like it's an insane we talked about it early. Like mm-hmm. we were we were prepping everyone like, hey, if this the Jazz, rough schedule. they're going to the start jazz, two and ten. It, yeah, if the Jazz start two and ten, three and ten, yeah. don't be surprised. They're the opposite, and it's, and it's been the exact opposite of that, which is why I think it's somewhat sustainable. Because if you're going through this kind of rigorous schedule, 
this kind of difficulty and you're coming out shining. And it's not just the schedule. It's the way these guys are playing. Right. There's so like we were talking about how it was going to, again, it was going to be the exact opposite. There's going to be no continuity. There's going to be no chemistry. It's going to be a jumbled mess. Like it was in the, in the preseason that hasn't been the case at all. They're defending on a, on, on a string. They're, running an offense that seems almost unstoppable with the way I've never seen a Utah jazz team move the ball the way that they do, (laughs) at least as far as like the assists, like the, the Donovan era, like whipping the ball around was one thing, but there was never this number of assists and guys are just, you know, they're really kind of buying into that. Everyone eats. Right. And again, I still think there's an element of surprise, but the fact is, is that you have a litany of guys who can go for 20 points on any given night. Mike, Jordan, Kelly, Lowry, Malik, Colin Sexton. How do you defend that? Yeah. It's really hard. Like Danny Yang around and made like a wonderful modern era. Modern era basketball team. And I honestly do think there's also something to this idea that these guys are really playing with a massive chip on their shoulder. I called in once again to our our sweet boys around Ball Rock. They had me call call in. And I said that this team, like Danny Ainge went and got a bunch of guys who were given up on by multiple teams. And this team is playing like an armada of scorned exes. Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Like, and hell hath no f- fury like a team of scorned exes. <laughs> yeah, a classic saying that we all know. Yeah, but it's like, it, it really is true. And like, one thing I will absolutely, definitely, definitively say on this podcast that I believe in my heart of hearts, this Jazz team is not a bottom five team in the West is currently constructed. Absolutely not. I completely agree with that. Yeah, like- they are. they are definitively better than the Lakers, which they've proven. They're right. better than the Spurs. They're better than the Rockets. They're better than the Kings. And they're better than the Thunder. And and that's all you need to get to the play-in, which is why now yeah. we have to talk about what the next steps are. Yeah. That's because, the floor of this team, though, right? The floor no, exactly. of this team is the play-in. And that, that's, that's if things go drastically wrong. If right. something, all of us, if there's, if there's somehow some sort of 180 degree turn and this ship starts sinking, they're still better than all of those teams. Yeah. And I mean, I said it a few times, uh, during like training camp in the preseason, kind of after the trades were done that I was like, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that like, there's too many good guys on this team for them to be bad. And so that's why I was thinking maybe trades would happen like pretty early in the season. Um, I was promised by people who know basketball that uh, that this team would lose games and that they would be bad. And I was like, I don't know. Like, Larry Markinen's really good. You know, like, Jared Vanderbilt's very this, good on though, defense. I, no one Lowry, expected this. I, as, I mean, I know we're 13 games in. We still have a very nice number of games left in the, right. in the season. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you got that. Yeah. But uh it's 69 guys. But Lori <laughs> Markinen is an early season all NBA guy. He's he might be an all-star. He's he's better than he's playing better than Anthony Davis right now. Oh uh, yeah, like uh, 
he's he's he's, of- he's a t- he's playing like a top five power forward in the NBA right now. There's just a lot of things that he's so good. Will Hardy is like in line. Listen, we're 13 games in. These are we are obviously like speculating wildly right now, right? But like, if the if the season were 20 games, he's, like he's the coach of the year. Yeah, Will Hardy would be coach of the year. Undeniably, Danny, Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck would be executives of the year. Uh, Ryan Smith would probably not get owner of the year because of the jerseys. But <laughs> imagine if this team, this team, Dave DeFore said it. He tweeted it out and he said, "This team would be America's darling if it weren't for the uniforms." Yeah, because they Unlike- play such a fun brand of basketball. Like they're exciting. They're, you know, they, they're just, and they're so, they're scrappy. They really right. are. They play with that. Like we said, they play with that chip on their shoulder. They're they, like, I think who was it? Zach Lowe that said that the jazz would be the, the least watchable team in the NBA. It is so funny to think Hyping about the hot crow pizza there, but it is so funny to think about the fact that none and rightfully so, right? Like, no, everyone thought that, like, not they, even if people thought they were going to be good or, like, okay with as constructed, everyone thought that either they would make trades early or that they would manipulate the roster in a way that they would be bad. No one expected them to be this. And so, rightly so, they have no national games, right? Like, no national television. And yet, we games. have to watch the Lakers every <laughs> week. And so, like, we, they're it, so bad. They stink. And, the like the television schedulers like they do make changes as the season goes like that they they do it It'd be every so season. funny if the jazz ended up on a christmas game like it i would love we are, that we are heading towards a situation where like the team with the best record in the league like it is playing no nationally televised games and so like the if they continue this pace and if they stay good like there is going to be so much manipulating of that schedule it's gonna be so funny and like I, i'm all so many it. so many other scorned fan bases you already they're... know my policy on basketball you love chaos yeah i want the funniest possible outcome he's here for the jokes folks and this is this is the funniest possible outcome and i am having a ball it's so weird <laughs> i mean and so i think i'm already I think I'm ready to definitively say like this team can't can't tank for Victor anymore. And, no, like, they're that's, done. That's, that's crazy to say. Thirteen games into the season, but the problem is that they already have ten wins in thirteen games into the season. That's yeah, you a problem. Can't, you can't blow your half your win load in the first thirteen games. Yeah, they can't go nine and sixty. Like <laughs> yeah. that, that they can't. I don't think that they could actually do it if they wanted to. No, they would. They no, they would. They would accidentally win. 15, 15 to 20 more games. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that you kind of have to go for it. But what does that mean? So there's a few different avenues here, right? Uh-huh. Like Avenue one, which I, I'm i starting to sort of lean toward, which might I might just be eating my own crow on this eventually someday, but whatever. I think you kind of just have to go with this team. Like... Because the vibes are so immaculate, right? And I don't hate this idea. This team is like 
it's like a ragtag bunch of weirdos who like no one really thought was going to fit together. No, there's right. There's no quote unquote star on this team. And I understand that like you need that person historically to win in the postseason. Every time that like something like that is said where it's like, oh, you need this or oh, you need this or this is the kind of team that wins. It's always that way until it's not right. Or here's here's my counter argument to that. Is this a newfound version of the 2004 Pistons? Right, exactly. Like, where they didn't it, necessarily it, definitively have the guy, the guy, but what they did have was an incredible collection, a consortium of talent. Right, and that's an excellent position to be in. My my worry is that, and I think that if you're gonna if you're gonna go for it then maybe you have to make some moves because they do have a ton of assets. Yeah. Right. You the, have to the use shelves them. Are stocked. You have to use some of those assets. And so then like, where do you sort of make moves around the edges? And the problem is, is like, if you're going to bring in kind of a big level star, if you're going to use some of those assets and go out and get a guy, the guy that you have to get rid of is Mike Conley because purely for contract matching reasons. And he's and he's a huge part of this. You know what? We've talked about it a little bit in our DMs, but Mike Conley, while his stats aren't gaudy, is having a career year. Dude, he had seven points and thirteen assists against the Hawks, and it was an incredible game from him. It was a dominant performance by him. The way that he was orchestrating the offense and the way that he had the Hawks just grasping for straws yeah. was masterful. That was as good a point guard performance as I've seen in a few years, regardless of seven points. Right. That exactly. was I like that's the nerdy stuff that I just I love. That was so fun to watch. Yeah, I loved it. And I that's the thing, is like if you're going to like try to flip some of the assets and go get like a dude. You can't get it without Mike Conley's contract. Yeah. And like And if it's if it's not Conley, then that means that you're you're piecing together two, three, four other guys. And so you're taking two or three, four other guys away from this team. And so like how many pieces of this team that's working so well right now can you take away before it's not this team anymore? Yeah. Yeah, like you you would certainly have to compromise the identity of this team and it would be a huge roll of the dice and you damn well better ha find a guy who fits in seamlessly. Right. Otherwise, because you get the you get the inverse of that and you get what's happening in Minnesota right now. Right. And and if this all wasn't for Victor and then you go out and get someone and it doesn't work then then what's it for then right. then you've you then you've wasted some of your assets the guy doesn't fit in and like i know and then that you that's still miss out on the generational talent right and yeah. so like yeah it's such i mean it's why it's why danny Ainge and justin zanuck are getting paid the big, big bucks like literally like it's a tough position to be in they, they have they've both put themselves in a really luxurious position of being like look what we have created yeah <laughs> And also a position of being like, the decisions that you make in the next few months could absolutely define this next era for the Jazz. Mm -hmm. And for better or worse. And I'm I'm not really sure. 
I don't know because like if it's like if you just go with this team as it is and just kind of see like hey let's see what they can do this year right, right? then in the off season maybe you could you know you go through the draft you can kind of manipulate around the edges see what's on the free agent market and like slowly start to tool around mm-hmm. if you kind of go all in on someone in a trade this season I think it's might be too big of a risk. You're talking me into this. <laughs> this is not making me very happy. But I do get what you're saying. Um and I will I will say this though cuz I I think this is kind of relevant to what you're saying cuz I I do see a lot of things online about people being like, "Oh, they're you know, they're they're blowing their load too early or they're, you know, it's, it's, they're skipping steps is another thing that I'm seeing. And I don't really necessarily see it as that, you know, I, I think, I don't think the jazz are skipping steps. I think they just started the game a few dice rolls ahead, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, compare it to monopoly, you know, they've already, they started a couple laps around the board. You know, they've got four, $400, you know, they don't quite have park place and, 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 Broadway yet, but they've got Baltic Avenue and they've got some properties and they're, you know, they're mapping things out. And that's a lot better than starting, you know, at, at square one. Yeah. And I think they were able to do that because of kind of the talent that they had on the, it it wasn't like this was like a God awful team with like washed old players on inflated contracts. Like that's not where the jazz were. The jazz, like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are excellent basketball players and it just wasn't working here. Yeah. And so Donovan Mitchell's an MVP candidate right now. He is falling out. Right. And the, and again, like, I, I mean, I've said this when it happened, the fact that the jazz were willing to pivot away from them so drastically while they are arguably in their prime takes a ton of huge balls. Yeah. Like it is a huge move to be like, these guys are excellent. We can't do it with them. Maybe someone else can. It is, it is really quite funny though, that Right now, if you look at like the prediction machines, that this team <laughs> is actually predicted to win more games than last year's team. Now, granted, a long season, lots can happen, injuries, but as as the as it is currently trending, the Jazz are slated for anywhere right. from fifty one to fifty five wins, which is unbelievable. <laughs> well, and like. Listen, there's a lot of things that are going to like the variance machine is going to catch up with the Jazz, right? Sure. Like, they're going to be scouted more. Uh, teams have been shooting just so bad against them. And like that's not going to happen all season. Teams are going to get no. hot against them. And then we're going to have to see like how the defense holds up. But mm-hmm. also there's there's things on the on, and like Kelly Linick is not going to shoot like 60 percent from three. Yes, he is. Long. He's the greatest three point <laughs> shooter of all time. It's and that's so the crazy. end of the conversation. <laughs> but like there are things on the other side that are going to flip the Jazz's way. Like Lowry Mark Lowry Markinen is a career like 38% shooter from 3 and like going into the Hawks game he was shooting like 24% on the season. He's right. going to shoot better. So like mm-hmm. he's going to get more points. Some of those shots are going to start to fall. That's really and, like, wild he's having this year while shooting so poorly from 3. Yeah, I mean he it does great, it does not make sense. He had a great night in Atlanta, but like that Atlanta game kind of actually seems like what 
we could be on pace for for the rest of the season. Like he could just be dropping like 30 balls every night, which is great. He's <laughs> like, it really is. I feel like the Cavs and the Bulls need to be prosecuted for some sort of criminal negligence or malfeasance <laughs> for the way that they played that kid. And like he's maybe- so he's so versatile and he's so talented on both sides of the ball. He can yeah. defend. I'm really he and like, can defend. You know, I feel like, you know, it's very easy to fall into the trope of like European guys are soft. Right. I see Laurie's got a bit of a mean streak. Yeah. Like, like he's he, competitive. He talks shit. You will see him at the free throw line. He was doing it against Atlanta, just jawing at guys. And like, especially I was I was so impressed in that that second half of the game in Salt Lake against the Lakers. Cause he got his lunch taken and eaten and he was stuffed in a locker by Anthony Davis in the first half, no answers. And then came out absolutely swinging in the second half and did what Anthony Davis did to him in the first half. Lori Markin did the exact same thing to, to Anthony Davis in the second half jazz yeah. win in a blowout, like just awesome. I, I, I can't say enough good things about this kid. Yeah, he is he's so falling out. He's like, he's so nice to last night after the Hawks game, uh, him and Malik did their post game talk uh, together. So they side by side microphones mm-hmm. and uh, Lowry came into the room. He had just showered. So his hair is all wet. It's very curly like yours. And he's like, we love a beautiful curly haired boy. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I need to take my hat off. I'm just like not ready to wear it. And Malik was like, what do you mean not ready? (laughs) And he's like, well, you know, indoors. (laughs) And I was like, what's wrong with wearing a hat indoors? And he goes, oh, it's rude. And I was like, in the 1950s, maybe. (laughs) Like, he's just like such a sweet boy that he's like, oh, I don't want to talk to you guys with my hat on. That would be rude. I'm so sorry. Like, (laughs) he's so nice. So he's also just happens to be Norman Rockwell. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't wait for him to like show up in a duster with like I don't know like one of those newsies caps and a pipe. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I think about so many things about this team. Like the Timberwolves were so dead set on not including Jadik McDaniel's in that trade that they were like Walker Kessler. Yeah, absolutely, take it, no problem. And Walker, look at Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler is going to be. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. Walker Kessler, barring injury, is going to be in the league for a decade plus. Yeah, absolutely. Like, barring injury, there's there's nothing that should keep this guy off the floor. Like, if this is his floor as a rookie, which usually, yeah. like, your rookie year is your floor, like, guys get better, especially the Utah Jazz have, like, a bona fide history of developing guys. If you're a Jazz fan, you got to be absolutely salivating over this kid. His IQ, just like his feel of the game, because so much of this right now is just raw. Like yeah. he's just he's just going off of instinct and he's, you know, very much figuring it out. And like you said, like he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. And one of the things that Will Hardy actually pointed out to me was I was I was talking to him about Walker, and he was like, notice that when he goes up for blocks, he goes up for the block with both hands. Yes. Yeah, he's ambidextrous with the way that he blocks shots. Yeah, and like he he might not like keep it in bounds all the time, and he might not even block the shot. But like 
for being a rookie to be that vertical and to go up with both hands for a block mm-hmm. is is unique for his age. It is that is not a normal skill set that a young guy in the he NBA is has. he is skilled beyond his years. Yeah. He's a and, he is already a good basketball player. Like I remember I think it was the no dunks guys were talking about him like already being an elite backup center in this league. Yeah. Like he's and, that he's that good. Like he's not, you know, he's not I don't necessarily think he's starter level yet and he needs to figure some stuff out, but to have him as a backup center and like a guy that you could absolutely plug in if something were to happen to Vandy or or Kelly or something like what a luxury to have. This kid's good. He's better. Yeah. I, I, he's. I'll say it, he's better than Hassan Whiteside is. Oh, that's easy for me to say. You know, like he's a <laughs> he's a he's a huge upgrade at that position. Like imagine Walker on last year's team. I know to have that where the 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 drop off isn't so big and he's yeah. able to move his feet quickly. I was watching. He got switched out onto someone. Might have been Dejounte. Might have been a game before that. I can't really remember, but he was switched out onto the perimeter. And though, like, based on the dribble, he was like switch, he was like sliding his feet back and forth and like switching which way, like, he was directing Mm -hmm. the the ball handler. And I was like, this guy should not be doing this. (laughs) He's too young. He had a move under the hoop against Anthony Davis in that game on Monday that literally made me jump off the couch. Where he catches the ball, I think it was off a rebound, or I think it was an offensive rebound, and he fakes going up with with one hand, does a one eighty pivot, and goes up on on another against a guy with the bona fides of Anthony Davis, and just absolutely fakes him out of his shorts. Yeah, le- legitimately jumped off the couch. I was so excited watching my baby boy do that. Yeah, he's very good, and that's the kind of stuff that like. When I talk about things like swaying in the other direction for other teams and like, you know, other teams being able to shoot better as the season goes, like Walker Kessler is going to get better as the season goes. Yes. And like all of these players are going to get more comfortable with each other. They're going to learn each other's spots. We've seen a lot of like live ball turnovers where like Jordan will flip the ball back behind him and Uh like. Kelly Olenek won't be in the spot that Jordan thinks he's going to be like those guys are going to start to understand each other better in the pick and roll and the pick and pop game. Yep. And they're not going to miss so many of those. And then it'll be like wide open mid range bunnies or three pointers. Like there are things that the jazz can improve at. Yeah. And they will. And so it, it makes me wonder like maybe this is sustainable and it just changes a little bit as the season goes. Can I tell you one other thing, just because this is a bit of a gushing session yeah. about our sweet boys. <laughs> do what I do absolutely love. And I want to come out and, and say this is in no way me like poo-pooing Quinn, who I thought was fabulous. And I'm still very fond of what he did as a coach. And, you know, I think he changed the tra- trajectory of the team. And But it is undeniable that Quinn his defenses didn't really fly around and they weren't super disruptive. They funneled everything to Rudy. And it is, it is so fun watching this team on the defensive end be so disruptive. Like jazz all throughout Quinn's tenure was like, we're like bottom of the barrel when it came to forcing turnovers, 
This team is is in the upper echelon of that now. It's been a complete 180. And watching how versatile they are and watching guys being able to switch one through five, like this is the stuff that we were talking about wishing the last iteration of the Jazz can do. And they can do it now because they're so versatile. And like the way that they cause those they cause all those turnover turnovers while still like funneling things into people like Wassler and, or, or Walker Kessler and, and Vandy. It's so fun to nerd out and watch. I I'm in love with it. And I talked, I talked to Will Hardy about that too. Like, and he's straight up said, like, we just don't have the personnel to like run a traditional like NBA defense. Yeah. You, like, you don't have, you don't, they don't have the guys to do a drop coverage. No, they're like, we, he, he straight up said, like, we can't just funnel guys in. And so we have to, like, try and create as much chaos as we can. And so, like, we have to deny passing lanes. We have to take gambles. We have to run around. We have to use what's to our advantage. And, like, our advantage is, like, length and speed. And yeah. so if we're not using that, then, like, we're not doing a good job. In fact- Which is why he gets so pissed off, like, in transition opportunities, playing defense, he got so mad. At Colin Sexton, I'm pretty sure it was against the Lakers. He called a timeout. It was a transition bucket. It was Lonnie, Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker's dunk. Yeah, he got yeah. he got the rebound. It went all 94 feet. I, yep. I, I remember I was listening to the the post game conference, and I remember I remember it definitively. Where like, yeah, I as, asked that him is, that is as demonstrative as I've ever seen Will Hardy. I know. I was like, because he he get the get the bleep button ready, Matt. He got up and he was like, he calls timeout as soon as Lonnie Walker scores and he screams, what the f***? Are you kidding me? And I love it. I love it. I go, I, after the game, I asked Colin, I was like, all right, Lonnie Walker goes coast to coast scores. Will says this, he's pissed. And Colin goes, yeah, he was mad at me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, he was. You deserve it. And he, and on watching it, it is a difficult play. I rewatched it so many times. It's a difficult play because Lonnie Walker is going and he has to, Colin has to decide, do I get in front of Lonnie Walker or Russ, Russell Westbrook is sprinting behind me and he might be there for the lob. And so he's, but he gets caught in no man's land. Yeah, which you is gotta what do, Will, you gotta do something. You gotta make a decision, which is why Will got so mad. And he was like, we were too good to not make a decision and we're not good enough to not make a decision. Yeah. It reminds so, me of, and this might be a bit of a tangent, tangent, but I think that it's, it's relevant. When I was first learning how to mountain bike and I was first learning how to ride like very difficult features, like something really steep or something really rocky or a big jump or something like that. I had a friend of mine t- tell me this saying that's still like it's, it's, it is burned into my brain at this point. You commit or you eat shit. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. And like you have to, no, and it's really the truth because if you do, I've like some of the worst crashes I've ever had is simply by second guessing or like touching, tapping my brake when I shouldn't have. And then all of a sudden I don't have the speed of the momentum and my front wheel gets, gets, uh, gets caught and I go over my handlebars or something like that. And it's simply because of that hesitation and it may not be the right decision, but you got to do something. You can't just stand there and hesitate because that's when bad things happen. I a fun fact about Sarah Todd. I used to be very into dirt bike riding and when I was younger and it's the exact same thing. Like when I first started riding dirt bikes, I was like seven years old. I had a little Honda 50 CC uh-huh. and 
like trying to go off my first jump it was like i'd get to the edge and like stop and like i just fell off the edge sometimes yeah. because i'd like skidded to the edge like you have the worst crashes when you do that kind of stuff when i started just like balls out just like going for it th- so it was much easier so much easier <laughs> which yeah. is like it feels so counterintuitive because you really do kind of have to just put safety on the back burner at least like yeah like from a mentality standpoint but in a reality standpoint, it's way safer to do that. Well, and so to bringing it back to Will Hardy. So like he screams at Colin Sexton. Colin's like, I know. I, 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 I know I did it. It's me. I did the bad thing. And so he te- like he doesn't get upset that Will Hardy's screaming at him in front of everyone. Uh, Colin turns out to be a guy that kind of like likes and respects and needs a little tough love every once in a while. And so he was like coach don't worry like i got it and like a couple plays later there was someone else that was going on a fast break and like colin just took the foul he was like and and he looked over at will and will was like there you go yeah and it's like yeah like yeah they're they might go to the free throw line they might get the points anyway but like you did something about it yeah and i think again this is why you have to be excited about this team is that they're playing this well while still trying to figure stuff out in 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 the midst of having one of the most difficult schedules out the gate of any team in the NBA. Like this is not a finished product in the slightest. No. And, and they're like, still they're still playing like this. At practice today, we're we're in Washington, the Wizards game is uh tomorrow and I asked Will today. I said, "Do you think that you're doing a good job?" <laughs> and he was like, uh, it's not for me to decide. And also like, it's not, then he said all like the canned responses that you, it's not about yeah. me. It's the whole team, you know, the assistant coaches, the development, the players, etc. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So then I go ask Mike and Kelly and I'm like, so is Will doing a good job? And also this is what Will said. And he's like, Kelly was like, yeah, well, you know, coaches will always say like, oh, it's the players that go out and win. He's like, but, you and I both know that coaches can really screw up a team too. Yep. And Will has absolutely put everyone in a position to be their best selves. And he has, he's all, I mean, we're 13 games into the season and he has the trust of every single player on this team. It's amazing. What he's done is literally unprecedented. In a such a short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, our our friend Andy Larson wrote a really great article about it. Yeah. About like what just the type of job that he's doing and just how pre- unprecedented it is. It's it's really astounding and it's wonderful to watch. It's great content. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Will Hardy is great. And it's it's weird because like I think it's it's abnormal for me to be around a coach that's my age. Right. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I'm j- I'm still getting used to that and reminding myself of that. And so like, we were talking to him at practice in LA and you know, he's talking to us while the microphones are on and it's like coach answers, coach answers. And then the microphone goes off. The team videographer is there and he like very quickly, like before he walks away, like does like a close up on that camera and like p- throws a peace sign and like does a weird face. He's like, and like, it's like, Oh yeah, that is a 34 year old dude. Right. And like, he was 
like joking around. He was just like bouncing a basketball at practice one day. And one of the team security guys is there. And like, he grabs a basketball and like acts like he's going to throw it in his face and then goes around him and like goes up for a bucket. And it's like, he's also just like a fun guy who wants to have fun, but just happens to have like an incredible basketball acumen and like, and know what it takes to like make guys want to play hard for him. There's a part of me that really hates him though. <laughs> no 34 year old should be this good and this successful at life. <laughs> yeah. This is bullshit. Yeah. I like I've like said, that. like I said before, like he's 34 and is the front runner for coach of the year right now. And I'm 37 and I don't know what half the apps on my phone. Do. Yeah. I'm that's, that's funny because Mike Conley after practice today, we we're trying to find like a quiet spot to do an interview in. And he was like, because the players always play music wherever they are really loud after practice. Yeah. And Mike was like, God, the music is so loud. And I was like, not really. We're just in our 30s. And he was like, cut it. That's not right. Damn. <laughs> like, we're 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 the old people. <laughs> it's it's me and Mike Conley. <laughs> I had cookies for dinner last night. <laughs> or not last night, but last week. That's where yeah. I'm at in life, right? You know. No, you can't do that now. You got the stomach flu. <laughs> I can't do anything right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, on the I'm on the 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 toddler brat diet. Oh, brat diet: bananas, rice, applesauce, and toast, baby. <laughs> yeah, that should just be my diet, anyways. It should be because I have so many stomach problems. That's that's a podcast for another day. <laughs> uh, Nothing. Thank you. <laughs> leave me hanging I was gonna, about I, my I was, I, no, I was trying to like make an IBS joke and I couldn't I, I'm not functioning you know I don't have the calories to function yeah usually just- usually I'm really good with the acronyms you know I'm, I'm fairly quick-witted I am those those synapses aren't firing at all right now Greg do you know what our picks were do you have uh, them you went you picked three and two I, I went, did. I went two and three, but I feel like we need to like we need to we picked the the Washington game and we're recording before that. So we are maybe I feel like maybe we need to do something early next week and yeah. and talk predictions. So I would say TBD. Well, we should pick what's going to happen at least through the Sixers game since it's back to back. So. I I am not sure, but I think I ch- I picked the Jazz to lose against either Atlanta or the Wizards. We'd have to go back and look. I think I from if if memory serves me, you said they were going to beat the Wizards and lose to the Hawks. Right, that did not happen. I mean, you know this team is good when they can survive Atlanta nightlife. Yep. Yeah. And they stayed there overnight. They didn't travel after the game, came to D.C. and practiced this morning. It's so good that this team is just a bunch of nerds. Well, uh, also, they practiced in L.A. too, which is not something that we've seen a jazz team do uh, in a very, very long Ever. time. Yeah. <laughs> Since Sloan? Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good things. I'm going to say, fuck it. It's a close back-to-back. It's not like they have a lot of travel. It's all right. I'm going to say that they're they're beating the Wizards and the Sixers. I'm I'm there with you. I think they go two and zero. 
what a weird the Sixers look like shit and it makes me so mad yeah they look really bad and it's really upsetting like why did just leave Doc Rivers in Atlanta yeah that's uh yeah, we'll we'll get into the Sixers one of these days. It that's all bad news. I'm I'm looking real stupid right now with my preseason pick that they're going to come out of. I the picked East. Joel Embiid as the MVP. <laughs> oh man, I love I I love our Which, preseason picks because they're always so bad. You know what though? I'm I'm. There's a caveat. When I said MVP, I meant vo- most valuable poster. <laughs> he's still yeah. really he's still really good at Twitter. Still still really good at that. All right. Well, you guys know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe, download, do all of the things. Let us know if you're a business and you're looking for someone to partner with and get the message out there about your products and what you do because we can do it all for you. And you can follow Greg at Dad Sham Dad. You can follow me at NBA Sarah. You can follow the show at Unsalvageables. Uh, you can follow Matt if you want to, I guess. I don't know why you would with a Twitter <laughs> handle like that. And... <laughs> We will talk to you next time. Ciao, Bella.